Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. This platform is designed to share coaches, leaders, and influencers' journeys and experiences. Hope you're inspired by them so that you can serve others better and inspire them as well. Today's guest is James Miller. Coach Miller is the Associate Head Coach at New Mexico State University for the men's team. We talked to him today about considering others' perspectives, to be versatile, to be resilient and tough as leaders. We also talk about the importance of mental health. Hope you enjoy this podcast and look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. Coach Miller, I do appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us and sharing your perspective. Uh, I think that's what we need to value more and more as we progress in life, as people, as uh, coaches, for sure, you know, hearing different perspectives. So here again, man, thank you for coming on. Well, I'm glad to be here, Coach, and uh, I'm thankful for you having me. Yes, sir. Now, how were you introduced to the game of basketball, Coach? You know, uh, I've always been in the sports, basketball, football mainly, but just, you know, ever since a little guy, well, uh, long story short, you know, played in high school um, and, and was just a average to below average player, to be honest. Didn't really work at it, but I just always have had a mind for the game of basketball. And um, and so I just went to uh, go be a regular student. Um, I was actually better at football than basketball. And, and if I were to play a sport in college, it would have been football. Mm. And decided not to go play small school football. And so just went to Colorado State University to be a regular student and then um, while I was there I decided hey I think I want to be a coach and so um, I had great mentorship from my high school coach um, who, who was a really really phenomenal coach his name is Tom Rowan House and um, he was a great example for me and, I, and he, he really made a difference in my life um, and so I thought hey I want to be around sports I, I, I th- at first I thought it was going to be sports medicine but the first biology course when I got to college, I realized I was not going to be a doctor in sports medicine. <laughs> so <laughs> I realized it better be, it better be a coach, maybe like a PE teacher or something. So, um, you know, so, so I've always loved the game and then got into coaching when I got to Carl State. And then you know, here we are, I don't know, 17, 18 years later. So um, that's kind of my first days. I mean, coached a little fourth grade team my freshman year of uh, college and, and then coached every other year I was in college. So, and have been, have been coaching ever since. Wow. Fort Collins, man. Nice place. Nice setup there. You know? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's a great city. Yeah. So you you talk about some things. Coach kind of like, well, I guess this is what I'll do. Is I can't, you, you talk about the whole idea of uh, <laughs> biology, math heavy, all that stuff. You start figuring out like, well, I better go this other route. You, in other words, where you thought you were going to zig, you zagged. And, uh, and it kind of yeah, all, exactly. all worked out. And I think that's a story for some of us. Now, I wouldn't say a lot of us, but some of us, I mean, coming out of high school, man, I, for, a lo- for a long while, I thought, okay, I'm going to be, well, when I was a kid, beginning of high school, middle school, I thought, league, I'm going to league me, either the NFL or the NBA, one or the other. And then, right. and then that reality steps in and I say, well, I'll be a firefighter. And then, you know. Then it comes in like, okay, I want to go into coaching. So, you know, we all find our, our I don't want to say our niche, because it's not even a niche, it's a calling. And uh, so that's great, Coach, because, yeah, 
you know, the writing was on the wall for you via biology, however you saw it. It was <laughs> now, now, Coach, I would ask you, since you kind of talked about your playing and all that, how did you view the game, you know, growing up? Because some of us, we view the game differently because we were either really good at a sport or uh, because we weren't so great or the coaching or some kind of experience along the way. How did you, how, what was your lens as a player and how you saw the game? Um, I think as I matured, just like, okay, obviously when we're freshmen coming into high school, you'd be high school, right? As I matured in my junior and senior year of high school, I think I saw the game more like a coach from a standpoint of when, when my coaches would say, hey, you did this or um, this um, or that wrong or correctly or, hey, we're looking for this or, hey, we're looking for that. That part of the game has always been very, very easy for me. The X's and O's and looking at it from the lens of a coach nice. has always been easy and pretty natural to me. Or for somebody to say, hey, this is what we're trying to apply. Go do it. And, and even if I physically didn't have um, the capabilities to do it mentally, I could do it. So, um, from the, from my lens as a player and then carrying on in my coaching career, that's always been fairly easy for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not the smartest guy from, uh, by any means, but um, when you're talking about just basketball, when you're talking about um, strategies and you're talking about um, you know trying to implement game plans and things of that nature, that's always been fairly easy for me to do. It just, it's come naturally and again, it's because I had obviously people that have um, show me the way and, and taught me how to do those things correctly and not waste time on certain things. But um, as a player and then as a coach, um, I've always had the lens through, uh, you know, just like anybody, any any probably real good player, like you look at it through your coach's eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. And then when you're an assistant coach, you look at it through your boss's eyes. Then when you're a head coach, not only do you look at it from your eyes as a head coach, but you also look at it from your assistant coach's point of view and you also look at it from your player's point of view. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think, when, when you asked about, you know, what lens I looked through, I, I try to be, you know, I've tried to be, um, and naturally it's kind of happened the way where it's been all encompassing where I can see everybody's point of view. Um, and then hopefully can, can blend that into one. Yeah. So like, you know, considering where you're at right now in Mexico state as an associate head coach, it's kind of like you're being groomed to be that CEO. And so to kind of have that mindset, like what you're saying, uh, I think, I think it's helpful because here again, you're talking about being good at scheming and and those concepts and mm-hmm. and the, that coming kind of natural because that you know for a lot of us that doesn't come natural. Uh, it takes some. I don't want to say like too much, you know, of our intellectual gas tank, but you know, I, I know that's always one of the biggest problems for like say a star player to come in right. and just kind of reformat how their mindset about the game. And, you're talking about looking at the game from all kind of perspectives and and how it uh, you know affects the game, how it affects you know, the team, and that's great, coach. Because that's here again, like I said, as an associate head coach, you're on your way, and so when you do become that head or that CEO, uh, I think you'll fit in really nicely, man. That's just my perspective, and I hope you believe the same too. But I think you, <laughs> I think it's gonna work out great by virtue of that. So. Uh, now, I want to ask you about your first kind of coaching experience. Do you have any, like, uh, do you recall, like, a memorable moment within that first experience? Yeah. Um, so, like I said, when I when I got to Colorado State as a, as a just a normal student, I'm thinking to myself, what do I do with all this free time? Because I've always been an athlete. I've always been in practice, right? I've always, and now you're a freshman in college and nobody's telling you 
um, what time you need to be where and what you're going to do. And you just, you know, you're kind of like, um, just a butterfly in the wild. Like, where am I going? What am I doing? Right. And so, um, and so the second semester of college, myself and, and one of my really good friends, um, decided to just volunteer and coach, like I said, a little fourth and fifth grade team. Yeah. Um, just a little kids. And I tell you what, we weren't, we weren't very good and, but it was so much fun. Yeah. The joy that myself and, and my good friend Eric had, doing it and giving back to kids and, and seeing their joy, just learning the game of basketball. And again, fourth and fifth grade, who cares if you're good at that point? Like that, yeah. I, I was realistic about that. Right. But yeah. so the, the story is, um, that myself and Eric, we, we go, we, we volunteer, we do this. We're not very good. Like I said, but we win the sportsmanship award, you know, and I'm like, okay, nice. sportsmanship, like, how did that happen? Right. <laughs> and so we do a little pizza party at the end of the year. And, and um, you see all these, you know, you got seven or eight kids and we're taking pictures and I still have a picture of it on my phone. Like, and this is now, you know, this is 2002, spring of 2002 now. And uh, it was just crazy to say that. <laughs> and well, we had this pizza party at Chuck E. Cheese and to see the joy on those kids' faces and like, like you, you know, come on, like those, those kids probably don't remember us at all, but like you're feeling like you're making a difference, right? Yeah, I think yeah. I say, I say that as, as kind of a story because, I think that's why we all get into coaching yeah. and that's what we all want to do. You have a, um, a servant leadership type heart and, and mentality if you're really good at it, I think. And so even, you know, from the first experience that I had when I did it um, with the, with the little, little guys um, to now, even though we lose sight of that sometimes it's, it's how can you help these kids blossom? How can you help them grow? How can you give them a foundation for the future? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think that that, that story um, even though it's probably not the funniest one or the best one I could tell you, um, it, it, it's the first experience I had coaching yeah. and it's probably set the foundation for what I've tried to do up until this point. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, you talk about those little ones. Uh, we all, you know, I think every coach who deals with, with any level of player, you know, post-secondary uh, can really figure out like these kids were those little boys at one time. These kids were those little girls. And just mm-hmm. like we impacted those little ones' lives, it's the same thing. There's no difference. I mean, they got older, they got some hair on their face, you know, they got a little bit more mature, whatever. Right. Uh, but that's the same, you know, like you said, why we get into this thing, the why. And, uh, you know, my experience of coaching, getting into the whole deal was exactly, you know, not exactly the same, but pretty much the same. And so, yeah, I can see the value in how you felt valuable. I think in most of us as coaches, when we see how valuable we are to others, that gives us that extra oomph on those days where we don't want to get up, you know, because that's, that's the truth. Exactly. Days we don't want to get up. There's exactly. Players think they're the only ones that don't want to go to practice. Sometimes we don't want to go. Yeah. We're the ones running the doggone thing. Right. It's like, uh, man, I, but you, you see the impact, you see the influence and you see the purpose. And when you do that, it just makes it that much more valuable. So. That's good stuff. No, yeah, it's probably not the fun. I'm sure you could tell me a ton of other funny stories, but I can tell you some other funny ones. But yeah, no, that that <laughs> I think that story summarizes why hopefully most people are in coaching. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Really, really good stuff. Really, that's real grassroots, if you ask me. No doubt, <laughs> super grassroots. So yeah, man. Now at your at your previous coaching spots, you know, prior to New Mexico State, how did those spots prepare you for where you're at now? Well, 
when I was fortunate enough to graduate college, I, I worked for a guy named Pat Everhart um, at CSU Pueblo, which is a Division two school. Mm-hmm. And so I worked there for four years for Coach E and then was able to go to New Mexico Junior College. And um, I was an assistant there for a guy named Chris Tiff. He's at Central Michigan. Now Everhart's at Omaha as an assistant. But I worked for Coach Tiff for three years. And then I was a head coach at New Mexico Junior College for three years. And I think those two spots, Mm-hmm. have really molded me into who I am now. And I say that because when you coach Division two basketball and you coach junior college basketball, you wear every single hat possible <laughs> in yeah. coaching and, and, and mentoring and everything you can think of. I was a counselor, a study hall monitor, a class checker, wow. a coach, a bus driver, a fleet coordinator. You know, whatever yeah. you can, can think of to... Um, that is involved with coaching at every single level, um, you know, recruiting experience, you know, at the age of 22, like just things that you can't uh, really draw up or you don't even know how valuable it is at the time. And then you fast forward to now, you know, 15, 16 years later. And here I am at New Mexico state and anything that coach Jan's asked of me, I think I'm able to do because in those first, um, you know, basically seven, eight, nine years of my career, I worked at small schools where we didn't have budgets, where we didn't have a lot of help, where yeah. it was myself and maybe one other assistant. And so therefore you had to do everything on your own. And although it might um, not be <laughs> glamorous or glorious at, at times, now when you get in situations where there's a lot of hands on deck, you can fit into whatever role the head coach or the staff needs you to do yeah. um, in order for that, that staff and that school and that, a specific team to be successful. So, um, you know, I've, I've worked for really good people, but those two experiences, especially, um, have really molded me in the coaching today and helped me be successful here because whatever my boss, Coach Jans, wants me to do now, I feel confident I can do. I'm not saying I'm not better at one thing or the other because we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but uh, like I told him when, when I was trying to get him to hire me, I mean, if you want me to mop the floor, I can mop the floor. If you want me to recruit, I can recruit. If you want me to coach, I can coach. Whatever, you want me to cook the video up. It doesn't matter. I can do it all. Just tell me what you want me to do. And I think oftentimes, you know, with younger guys when they get in our profession, they they specialize in this or they specialize in that. But you and I both know if you're able to do everything well um, and then, you know, maybe you have one or two specialties, but you still can, you're well-rounded in everything you can do and you can coach, you can recruit, you can scout, you can do all that stuff and build relationships and et cetera, then obviously I think that's where, where, why I'm at where I'm at now because I can, I can do all those things and I, and I feel comfortable doing all those things because that's, that's how I was raised. That was my foundation in coaching. Wow. Yeah. Nothing's below you. And no, that, that, that's the mindset uh, because no. when we're on the outside looking in, it's like, man, I do anything to do this. I do anything to be a part of that. Okay. We'll do Do this. Okay. Uh, are you going to do right. it? You know, do you, do you have that here again sense of I could be a Swiss Army knife or no, 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 I only do this. Mm-hmm. I only do that. Jack of one trait, right. uh, you know, and it's still a master of none. And so I think that's right. that's kind of what you're saying. And I think every coach listening should, you know, especially aspiring younger coaches can kind of take heed to that, that nothing should be below you. And, that, you know, even when you're the head coach at some point, that whole mentality for a lot of guys is still there. Hood coaches I've talked to, they still have that mindset that that, they came up that way. They still have that mindset. Like there's nothing I won't do. I mean, I growing up, I remember seeing the head coaches uh, sweeping the floors 
right. that, that always stood out to me because I'm like, hey, man, isn't there a student manager or somebody, a player that could do that? Why is he doing that? And But that, that was always here again. You, you talked about or you brought up servant leadership, and that's what that is. That's truly what that is, going ahead and, and doing not what others won't do or can't do, just doing what they don't do. And uh, right. so that's great, man. Really good stuff. And I think here again, it'll pay dividend for those that really take heed to that and apply that to their careers. They'll see a lot of success in that. Every 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 head coach needs guys like that. Not a guy. They need guys like that. Yeah, you no know, question. To have a successful no uh, situation. Now, You're just like a good player, what can we do to help help us win? Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you need me to do. I'll yeah. do it. Yeah, no, that, yeah, and that's a whole other podcast for for players to listen to. But yeah, it's 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 how how can you help me? Not how great you are. I always yep. get that from from parents. Oh, my son, they're so great. And I'm like, yeah, but are they what that coach needs? You know, right. I get your kid. Right. Your kid can fill it up. That's that's nice. I mean, there's but there's a hundred thousand other kids that can do the same thing. But does the coach that you're interested in and that's interested in you need that? And so yeah. like you're saying that that's great. Uh, I love that whole mentality. Now, as far as where you're at now and, and how y'all are dealing with, you know, this season being what it is, how are y'all keeping players engaged? Because you know, we kind of talked about it before beforehand about some of the the challenges and whatnot. So how how are y'all looking to keep players engaged for this season? I think we've developed um, the mentality of. And, and to say it's been a roller coaster for us specifically, not not necessarily not everybody else, because I know it's been ups and downs for everybody the last seven, eight, nine months. But um, I think we've developed the mantra of just we're going to roll with the punches and we're going to make the best of the situation yeah. that we possibly can. I mean, our team specifically, you know, because of our um, because of the government um, and our governor specifically not allowing us because of COVID numbers in New Mexico to practice or play in New Mexico. We've been sitting in a hotel in Phoenix, Arizona, um, you know, since November 10th-ish. Wow. And so, um, you know, our team has been engaged because we've really been on a two-month road trip thus far and got you know, probably two and a half, three more months to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest part for us is, is you know, we've had six games canceled now because of COVID. Yeah. And we work so hard in practice. And we, and we all know as coaches how much we demand of our of our, you know, our student athletes in practice and, and getting better and pushing them. But we all know what, what really helps is game night. You know, yeah. the lights are on and how we get to show all that hard work we put in and how it's really going to help, you know, these, these young men continue to get better. And um, unfortunately, because of those cancellations, that's taken a little bit of that, that edge, a little bit of that excitement away from our kids. Yeah. Um, now, with all that being said, I think what has happened to us and everybody, um, you know, we always use sports, right, uh, to try to show what our, our, our young men are going to go through in, in the real world and life yeah. out after basketball, after college. And I think that's how we tried to keep them engaged. Hey, you know what? We were supposed to play two nights ago, but we didn't. And it was, you know, it was no fault of anybody else's. That was just the hand we were dealt. Now what are we going to do? We're going to sit, sit around and sulk? are we going to continue to work so when we get an opportunity to play again, we're going to be better than we were the last time we played, right? And, and that's, that's that's real world. I mean, that's, yeah. that's life. I mean, yeah, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and 
there's no blueprint for how to handle this. Coaches talk about that a lot. We talk about a lot of staff. But the reality of it is, is this is the real world. You're going to have setbacks. Um, you're going to have um, a lot of times where things don't go your way. And what are you going to do? Like we talked about earlier, we're going to get out of bed and we're going to go back to work the next day. Yeah. What we have to do, that's that's what we're trying to ingrain in our, in our kids. And so, um, obviously, it's been difficult to keep them um, – you know, locked in when, when you have cancellations of games and they haven't seen their friends in, you know, almost three months now. And um, But the reality of it is they're making sacrifices to be here just like all of us on the staff are and, and our program are. And um, I think what keeps them engaged is the success we've had, we want to continue to have, you know, even this year, even though it's so different for us. And so, um, hey, game, game next weekend, that's what's keeping us engaged. We're, we're trying to get better every day until that comes. And hopefully get to play that game and then continue to improve. But, it hasn't been easy. It's been very, very challenging, to say the least. Yeah, no, I'm sure. And here again, the players' well-being and their state of mind uh, is always kind of what you look to yeah. always keep the pulse of, uh, whether there's a pandemic or not. There's right. always that trying to figure out where are they at, where are these guys at, what's the temperature, you know, of of my players and where they're at now. You know, the cancellations and all that. You know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I've had some experience with that kind of lifestyle prior to, you know, COVID, you know, in the prep world, man, prep school world, that's, yeah. kind of, that kind of, yeah. that's how it goes, man. And, and, and even prior to that, when I was coaching in a charter school league, you know, always had to deal with that. But one thing that kept us engaged was, like you said, improving, getting better every day. It's like we felt like, all right, you canceled on us or whatever. We can't play the game. All right, we'll, we'll just get more gym time. Got more, right. or you know, the way we saw it, at, you know, around ourselves, yeah, yeah, or, yeah exactly. Our high school kids, hey, you got more time to get your work done because your teacher told me you got this and you got that. So, all kinds of ways to to kind of manufacture positives from what right. are what are extreme negatives, and in, in that you're preparing for something that's not going to happen. Basically, sometimes, and, and that's always tough. So, yeah, that's good stuff, coach, because these kids deserve that kind of uh, mentality. For, for their leadership to have it uh, yeah. because they may not be able to quite yet have that. They may not be, uh, they may not be that, you know, much of a visionary to see how that can still benefit them in the long run. And that's, what's tough. Now, as far as leadership and, and how you go about that coach, you know, you gave us kind of some ideas of how, how you guys are, are trying to get better every day and all that, but what's the most important component of leadership that you've had to apply during this time? I think the most important component of leadership that we've had to apply is just is being resilient and wow. being tough. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to be extremely tough minded to function in the environment that we're all functioning in right now. And if you're not, then it, not to say it's not going to wear, like you said, mentally on all of us, um, in our well-being, but if you're not tough-minded and you don't have the, the resilient mindset on a daily basis, it's, it's really going to mess with you yeah. um, at this current time. It just is. And so I think that um, we've had to be resilient leaders along with um, getting that through our team and, and trying to do the best job we can and, um, and pushing them to, to continue to do so because like you said, it'd be very easy to sleep in every day right now um, as an athlete. It'd be very easy to, to to go half speed in practice. It'd be very easy to, 
you know, kind of hang up, hang it up, so to speak. Um, and so, as leaders, we've had to continue to push forward and, and show them that we're resilient, and continue to challenge them to be resilient in everything that they do, so that you know, when this all passes up, whether it's um, you know six weeks, six months, six years from now, whatever it is, um, we can continue to say that we got better. Yeah, and so that's what we've tried to do. Yeah, no, resilient and tough, man. Grit, basically, yep. what kind of grit you yep. got. And uh, I was talking to a, an NBA scout the other day, and I said, man, what do you really look for in players, right? Because I'm trying to get into that space. Mm-hmm. And he says, man, i like to see if you guys have grit or not. And I'm thinking, wow, yeah, intangible. Intangible, exactly. but, but super tangible in reality. You won't, right. see, you won't see it on a scoreboard. You won't see it on a stat sheet. But every one of us as coaches and leaders – can tell when a kid has grit, can tell when us as as coaches have grit too. Because I just, I look at the whole team concept as staff, everybody, players, everybody, even the managers. Managers have to have grit. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. they have to do the dirtiest of dirty work. And uh, everybody has to have that amount of, like you said, resiliency and toughness and grit. So yeah, I like that. I like that. Be a resilient and tough leader. That that definitely will work out for anyone who isn't working towards that or isn't applying that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, as far as mental health, because it, it, it's been talked about to, to a good degree, but I still don't think there's enough emphasis on it. Just That's just me because I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, you know, tries to develop young people and mm-hmm. even myself more mentally than anything else. So how important is your mental health, the team's mental health, and that of the staff as well to you? Well, you can't, I mean, to be be honest, it's the most important thing. (laughs) We got to be physically healthy, right? As athletes, as coaches, everybody. But mental health is, um, it's it's, it's the top priority. It really is because you're not going to be able to do we are not going to be able to be as good as we possibly can be in all areas of our lives. Coaches, players, everybody, you know, within the program and in anywhere. If mentally um, you're not in a good spot and we've had challenges with that um, in our program. Um, we've had, I've heard many stories from other um, colleagues and peers in coaching profession that have had many challenges with mental health, both on the staff and with the, with the student athletes. Yeah. We, we're, we're, as, as coaches, right, we like to control the elements. That's what <laughs> we do. We like to control yeah. um, what play we're running. We like to control the defense. We like to try to manage as best we can what's going to happen on a daily basis, whether it's in the games and practice or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's no difference for the athletes. They like to control, um, you know, their environment as well. And they also like to know, hey, um, we practice at this time tomorrow. We play at this time the next day. We, you know, the regimented, structured environment is typically good for all of us, whether we like it or not. Yeah, you know, we oftentimes don't realize it, but that's what we all need um, and what we what we really um, yearn for. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's the most important part of it. And I think we've tried to do as a staff as good a job as possible of, of being of of, of um, really 
creating an environment where it's okay not to feel mentally healthy, both within our staff and our players, mm. and to ask for help, wow. and to communicate that, um, and not feel uh, embarrassed, not feel like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Um, it's more along the lines of like, hey, like this is real. I mean, come on, man, this is this is real. Like, hopefully, we'll never have to go through this in our lifetimes because nobody has in a long time, and. And so therefore, because there's so many variables that we can't control and so many things that have been taken away from us that we've probably taken for granted subconsciously over the years, and now all those things are are up in the air on a daily basis, um, it's really created a lot of tough times for a lot of people. And so um, with that being said, if if we're not mentally healthy, if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not, um, you know, really focused on that, and everything else we do after that is just, it's not up to the best of our abilities and it's going to suffer. It's going to, it's going to deteriorate. So yeah. we try to do a good job of addressing that as best as possible. It's hard. It's yeah. really, really hard to get, um, you and I both know, especially young men or men in general, um, to, to openly say, okay, I'm not doing very well mentally. You know, yeah. it's, true. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it's, it's really, right. really hard to do that. Yeah. Um, because it's, as men, we're, we're macho. Yeah, I'm a tough guy. I'm a tough guy. And tough guys don't talk about their feelings. They don't talk about when they're not feeling right. Um, and we've tried to do the best job of, of breaking those barriers down and saying like, hey, we, we all need some help sometimes, guys. Yeah. Um, and it could be, you know, very small or very serious, you know, I mean, everything in between for so many different programs out there. But you know, I would say mental health is, is number one because you're not going to be able to grow like you said. Um, if you're not concentrating on that and, and, and putting yourself in a good spot, you know, good mental space. Yeah. And I think part of that too, coaches, like you're talking about vulnerability, being able to be vulnerable enough to say, you know, I, I, I yeah, I'm not doing well. And I think that's something within our, the culture of our society is kind of perpetuated, you know? And I think that we gotta, we gotta do our job as coaches, as leaders uh, of young people, of men, uh, to in females and everybody that's involved in the programs is to say, hey, you know what? If you're not okay, that's okay. Like you said, right. that that's something that's part of self care. Self care is to say, I will take care of myself, but when I can't, I will reach out to those who I know can help me uh, exactly. to, to care for myself. And then you talked about control. Man, we all love to have control, but I think this time has taught us. You, it goes to that saying, right? Control the controllables. Right. There's less that we are actually in control of than we even realize now. Absolutely. You know, there's so, and, and I think that's, that's very liberating to a degree because then when things don't work out as we thought they should or we kind of falsely expected, we can be okay with that. Be like, you know what? Okay. I, I know I can't control that. That's not on me. Or I can control that. That's on me. And then accountability mm-hmm. steps in and kind of self self uh, reflection. So yeah, it's all encompassing and, and just really, really good. Uh, like you said, mental health is it is a top priority for me as well. It uh, that that just speaks to here again general society. I think the the long lasting effects and repercussions of this whole situation has has hasn't even be been seen to the yeah. degree that it will at some point. But I think, I, I think if we do our best. Um, the best will come out of what we can do. And so that's mm-hmm. great, man. Uh, I, I love to hear coaches that, that agree with, not with me, but with the idea that, you know, mental health has that kind of uh, impact. Now, 
your support system because we all need it as leaders, as coaches, as, as parents. We all need a support system because we're mm-hmm. still individuals uh, who need to be affirmed, who need to be patted on the back, who need to be told, hey, no, you can do it. Uh, how important is your support system, Coach? Oh, very important. You know, I have a amazing wife who <laughs> who who moved four times in four years when we first got to Division One. Who has supported myself and our family, um, you know, beyond anything I probably could ever imagine. Wow. And and she is, you know, as I said, yeah, you're ride or die with me for sure. Like she, and she is. <laughs> she's she's been she's been amazing. So you know her. And then obviously, you know, some of the really close friends I have in the profession who, um, you know, we check on each other, uh, we bounce things off each other. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're like, here's the best way I put it. I, I say, Hey, we all have profession friends, right? Yeah. We all have friends that we kind of <laughs> know acquaintances at because of our profession, but you know, we all also have four or five, six, whatever it might be friends in the profession that if you weren't coaching basketball, they still would be in your foxhole every single time that yeah, you needed them. Sure. And so, you know, some of those guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in the situation I'm in without them. And then I think, you know, the people that I've, I've worked for and my bosses, um, you know, like I mentioned coach Everard earlier, and Chris Tith earlier, and then had a chance to work for Darren Hanson at Omaha for a year who, who really let me get my feet wet in division one and taught me some things. And Grant McCaslin, who's at North Texas now. And, and then now my, current boss Chris Jans I mean those guys um, have allowed me to grow and make mistakes in my roles um, you know what's, whatever particular roles I had on those staffs and and have continued to try to help me along the way um, again while making mistakes and, and letting me mess up um, you know and if you don't have people around you that, that surround you that aren't trying to like you said uplift you and um, but yet still hold you accountable yeah. um, just like a good coach um, but but they realize, hey, I'm trying to do everything I can to, to make their job easier, to make the program better, and allow me to, to screw up a few times along the way um, <laughs> while holding me accountable and, and helping me grow. And um, those guys, uh, along with my wife and, and some of my closest friends in the profession, um, you know, and, and family outside of the profession, I mean, yeah. just family in general, because you and I both know through thick and thin, family will always be there for you. I mean, that's, that's just true. But then. I'm not where I'm at now without those people um, who have wholeheartedly supported me, um, even though oftentimes I have to put them on the back burner because of my time commitments and and, and the profession I chose to do. So um, uh, without them, though, I'm not not where I'm at. That's 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 for sure. And definitely it's much harder to be successful without them in my corner. Fantastic. Shout out to Darlene and the girls. For being yeah. there because that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot to put that through. Really so you said that, it I was really like, is. four years? Whoa, hold up. Four, four moves in four years. Yeah. We, we left New Mexico Junior College, and we're thinking we're going to go to Omaha for three years minimum. And it's New Mexico to Omaha, Omaha, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Jonesboro, Denton, Texas, Denton, Texas, <laughs> Mexico. We were in the full circle around the U.S. Oh, man. All within four years. So, yeah, she's, a, she's, she's an angel, to say yeah. the least. No kidding. She's a saint. Probably having probably having to put up with you too. She's a saint. So hey, no doubt. That, I think no that's doubt I think that's one thing we look at our wives and we say, "Ah oh, man, she's holding down the home." Yeah, she has to put up with us too. You know, yeah. you know? 
And that's the thing is your support system, man, everybody needs one. It's like mental health to me. Yeah. You, you got to have these things figured out. If you're a leader of other people, how can you lead others when you don't have what you need? You can't give what you don't have. You right. can't fill up somebody else's cup when they're running low, when you have nothing in yours. Exactly so right. I think it's just, that's fantastic coach. Now here again, we kind of talked about the why of why you do what you do, but every day when you wake up, why do you do what you do? Well, I, I like to help young people be successful. I think that that's always been, you know, what's, what's driven me. I mean, obviously I want to have, individual success and collective success in whatever particular organization or team I'm a part of. But what's always been the driving force, I think, for me is helping young people um, change their circumstances by getting a college education um, and also being the best basketball player they can be. And so that that's that's it. And I think that that's what's always driven me. Um, hopefully will always continue to drive me. Because I think for me, that's where I get my fulfillment um, from my from my job and from my profession. Not to say I don't get it in other areas, but ultimately, I think that's what's most important to me is getting those guys to you know guys that come from rough areas or or don't you know what I mean? but yeah. guys that really fulfill their potential um, both academically and, and athletically, and then you know can help them be better men as they as they enter the real world, like we talked about earlier. Um, in, in, if I feel like I can play a part in that, some guys it's bigger than others. Um, but if I can play a part in it, that's that's what drives me to continue to do what I do. Yeah, because that'll always be a part of the job. Yeah, that that part of the job is always going to be there. So, like you said, that's not the only place where I find fulfillment, but that's where I find find it. And I think that's yep. that's the it we talk about. Why we get into this thing? Why we do what we do? Because that's always going to be a part of it. Is I've told this to plenty of coaches that I've talked to because here again, that first shutdown where, you know, in March where everything just came to the halt, to a halt. It, there's real, this realization set in that if there are no players, there's no need for coaches. And if there's no need for coaches, then what do we do? You know what I mean? Kind of like exactly. reality set in for us as well. Like, hey, hold on. I have to rely on them to play a game so I can feel important or relevant or how do, how does this work now? You know, uh, what, what, what do we do? And I think that's part of that whole process of just learning, like, how are you fulfilled in this thing? Because right. if you don't realize that you, these kids don't play, you don't have a job, then I don't think you're doing it for the right reasons. If you think they're all there yeah. to show up for you, it's a, that's funny. That's funny because that's not, that's not what they signed up for. You may have a great relationship with them, but you're not the reason they're there. They're the reason they're there. Their families are the reason they're there. And when you can make, come in and make that impact like you're talking about, like have, like you've done, I think that's the, the best why uh, possible. And so that's great, man. Really, really good stuff. And I hope here again, aspiring coaches, current coaches, former coaches, anybody listening to that, it can resonate and it can actually give you kind of a, a blueprint so if you're not there, get there. Get there as fast as you can. You're not capable, ask for help. You, you can't, I don't think you can teach people to care for, about other people, but you can, I don't know, maybe you can show them how to just operate in that space of caring for people. 
They don't maybe even if it's not genuine, <laughs> you know. Just be a doggone good person, man. Just be a good person. Yeah. Be a good guy. So that that's great, coach. Now about yourself because self care, mental health, all that stuff. You know, for like you said, moving four times in four years, that's huge. In that you're thinking a lot while you're on the road, especially. It's a lot that goes through your mind. And so I would ask you, Coach, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Um, I think that as I've made the moves and have continued to, um, you know, what people would view as move up in the profession and the career path that I'm on, um, I think that I've learned that oftentimes I probably put pretty much every time put other people um, and their successes or their health or their um, needs in front of my own, yeah. which I, I have no problem doing. But I also need to take care of myself, whatever that means, or my family. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that's, you know, that that's, it's hard, right? I'm just not a selfish person by nature. Um, and so, but as you get older and you're not young anymore and you have to, you have to take better care of yourself, whether it's what you're eating or how you're, socially or whatever. I mean, this is an example. Um, I, I've had to learn to do a better job and still need to continue to learn to do a, a good job of sometimes being selfish, sometimes taking time off, or sometimes, you know, you, you got to be able to tell people no, even though you want to try to help as much as possible. Yeah. It's not because you're trying to be selfish. It's because, like you said earlier, you, when, when your glass is almost empty, you got to fill it up at least a little bit. And so, um, I think I've learned that that's, that's a double-edged sword, right? Like I told a couple of our players sometimes, your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness. Yeah. And at times, that can be my greatest weakness because I'm, I'm oftentimes put a lot of other people's um, priorities in front of my own, which I, I don't mind doing. But I also know that I, that, can, that can be detrimental at times. So yeah. um, I've learned that over the course of my career that that's, that's something that I always have to be kind of cognizant of, especially moving forward. Yeah, that balance, that balance of wh- where's that line that I cross right. that says I-, I need to care more about myself, or uh, I'm I'm gonna put my I'm gonna kind of put myself in a corner because I'm you know helping somebody else too much. Right. And, and not only that, you know who will really help you figure that out a lot of times is your wife. You know, exactly. Why are you doing all that? No, for? No, exactly. Yeah. That's no, true. Yeah, she yeah. she always be the one to say, "Hey, you know, we need this, we need that, and here you are doing this and that." I mean, I've right. heard it before. Why are you doing all yeah. that when you can be doing? And then, and then sometimes to they don't get it sometimes because it's like they want you for themselves and that's it. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of truth in what they're saying sometimes. And like, yeah, you know, what? you're right. Why am I? I do need to learn how to say no because my no will set up my yes for the next time. And right. uh, so, yeah. I completely hear you and see you on that, man. That that really is important of having that balance of yes and no and my time, their time, because there's only so much time and, right. and you got to manage it properly. We're teaching these kids for time management. If we're teaching them that we got to apply it ourselves and figure exactly. out what, how we're going to manage our time for ourselves as well. Great stuff, yeah. man. Really, really good stuff. Now, my last question is always about legacy and you still got a long time to go coach and not, you know, putting you out to pasture right now or anything, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, beginning with the end in mind, and I think you'll understand this completely. 
when I ask you, but what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Uh, I want people to say about me that, you know, I was a good person who worked for everything that, that came his way and went about um, the way he treated people in the profession the right way. That's it. Man, if I think if I, if people are saying that about me, I think they mostly say that about me for the most part right now. Yeah, but if they continue to do that 15 or 20 years from now, then I, I think that I will continue to do what I love to do and that's help people be successful and put themselves in position in their lives to, um, you know, to do special things both on and off the basketball court and, and, and you know, in their lives as adults. And, um, because at the end of the day, like, you know, okay, wins and losses, we all know they are important. I don't care what anybody says. They are important. That's why we have jobs that we have. But mm-hmm. um, lasting legacies, wins and losses are important, but all the, all the people you touch along the way is more important in my opinion. You know, so obviously you can't be uh, a twenty percent win record and, <laughs> and probably have that same lasting impact. <laughs> you got to have some success, um, but I want to be known as somebody that does it the right way and was and truly was a good person with a selfless attitude in his approach to things and to people. Coach Miller, thank you so much for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. I really do. Appreciate man. you, Coach Lopez. Yeah, man. I, I knew it would be real. I knew it would be good. Happy New Year's to you, your family, uh, all that. You know, wishing you the best in the future, and uh, hopefully, I can knock out some more games. And, no question. And uh, and get just get yourselves going. But here again, man, thank you so much for for making the time and taking the time. Appreciate you having me, Coach. Thank you all so very much for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. I love what I'm doing and I love the fact that you're listening. So you follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 47. Leave feedback via uh, iTunes and rated and all that good stuff so we can look nice and pretty on there. And, uh, you know, just leave feedback. I want to hear from you all because I appreciate you taking the time and making the time to, to listen in. So here again, thank you so very much.